Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for On Patrol with the PPD, airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Thank you for joining us, and thanks for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. My name is Mike Wynn. I am both the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield and one of the co-producers and co-hosts of this uh, weekly radio program, purportedly weekly radio program. I am joined in studio this morning, I believe, by Lieutenant Gary Traversa, commander of the Cops Bureau. Are you okay now, Lieutenant? <laughs> A little behind. A lot of movement on that side of the on the board i suddenly realized i don't have my headphones on. got it okay <laughs> and also joining us in the studio this morning is officer darren derby good morning good morning it's been a while darren uh, it's been a little while still rocking the pink patch i see yep. last patch. last uniform day of october pink uh, patch project yep breast cancer awareness month yep. and it looks like you're getting ready for no shave november as I am. well i am prepping yeah. for no shave november in support of a uh, home base the wife is not uh extremely uh you know over the top happy about it you're not the first officer to (laughs) tell me that this week Uh, officer reagan also mentioned that his bride is not pleased on the other hand my bride loves when i enter no shave november so i'm pretty excited about this i think the the most important element of today's weather forecast is look out the window it's October 30th, and it is snowing. Tells the whole story. Snowing. It's not sticking. Um, I I don't think we can let the first snowfall of the year go without a traffic-related public service announcement. Slow down. <laughs> Leave more space between you and the vehicle in front of you. It's coming. There's, yeah. still, there's still leaves on the roadway, and now we've got some snow falling the roads are wet the temperature's dropping your car is not going to perform today like it did yesterday slow down don't get reacclimated to winter weather the hard way slow down take more time leave early that's enough about that so i've got a couple of news items that i wanted to discuss a few news items and then we'll uh, we'll get into some timely topics regarding the department so the first news item i think we should start off with some some good news type stuff actually this most of this is all good news i was excited yesterday i got a notification uh, on my phone about a new news story that was breaking it's on the front of the, the front page of the eagle today um both barrington stage company and berkshire theater group both received million dollar grants wow um to help cover their operating costs and get them through the end of the pandemic so that they could start preparing for their next um the next seasons and if if you haven't seen the story it's online by all means check it out but the um the family of marianne gross who is a uh you know theater lover uh and she set up these foundations they got to attend the performances from Barrington Stage Company and Berkshire Theater Group, the outdoor performances this summer, and they were so, they were so captured and so enamored by the hard work that both of those groups did to get their seasons functional that they decided to to give them both hefty grants. A portion of them are both challenge grants, so I think there's about three hundred thousand that is contingent on uh, getting donations in the similar amount. So if you are a philanthropist and you are so inclined. Mm-hmm. 
donate a little money to Berkshire Theater Group and Barrington Stage Company so they can obtain the rest of that grant. Another news article I wanted to talk about really quickly, and I'm not going to get into a ton of detail, but I, uh, I had heard this early this week in a chief's meeting, and it was confirmed in uh, local media today. Chief Johnson in Williamstown is going to be with us for a little while. Uh, town manager has spoke, publicly spoken his support. Chief's contract is still in effect, and uh, they're, they're going to keep Kyle around for the immediate future. Regardless of your feelings on, uh, on the allegations that are still allegations they have not been proven at this point or the stories that have been circulating um you know kyle's a long-standing member of local law enforcement he's uh he's a trusted member of the chiefs group and uh, so he's sticking around for a while and we're happy to hear that the third news item on a more personal note i got a reminder on my uh phone this morning and had to fire off a quick text message to my brother from another mother 25 years ago today, Sergeant Mark Strout and I took the oath of office. Oh, wow. Congrats. Congrats. Sworn in wow. on our way to the academy 25 years ago today. Wow. So, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was my reaction oh. when I saw it pop up. I'm like, there's no way. Goes, but Goes by quick. Yeah, 25 years. Doesn't feel it some days, but... <laughs> It's 2020. It feels like it every minute. Yeah. All right. So I was trying to think about what we were going to talk about. There's a bunch of stuff going on. I know, um, Lieutenant, you you were doing some training stuff this week. I'm going to talk about some training stuff I did this week. Um, Darren, we haven't seen you in a while. But I was here not too long ago. Okay. We'll catch up with you. you. Are? <laughs> we'll, we'll catch up I with you. So. We'll yeah. catch up with you and find out what you've been up to because out in the, the community. Board, they changed the board back. That's the right. Last time I was yeah. here, so that was within a month or so. Yeah, um, I'm not, I'm not going to get into it. We had a discussion before you came, and it's <laughs> he he's, has the best of intent. Oh yeah, no, I know. Yeah. It's well, I mean, you're working. It's hard. Yeah. Um, so. It, I, on the drive over here, I debated whether I was going to bring this topic up at all, and I don't want to get into anything that we would consider to be operationally sensitive. But I, I don't think we can. Um, I don't think, given the climate, that we cannot talk about it. Uh, and so this is a little bit odd. I don't want to get into a political discussion. That's not our role. But um, hey, we got an election coming up. In case you haven't been paying attention, <laughs> right? And uh, I, I have been in some planning meetings uh, with fellow chiefs and uh, some executives across the Commonwealth have been in some phone calls and conversations for planning meetings locally and I'll get into a little uh, training that I participated in earlier this week but I was in a community meeting last week and somebody asked me a question and and I had to pause for a second and basically my response was, and you know if you take offense at this I apologize up front but basically my response was I'm a municipal police chief in a American mid-size, you know, small to mid-size city, I am not supposed to have to worry about election security. We are not a third-world country, right? It's it's not it's not supposed to be something that we spend as much time and effort on as we have been spending time and effort on this year. It's it's just uncomfortable. Um, and you know what? Uncomfortable is fine. That's good. We do stuff that makes us uncomfortable all the time. But this is this is just different. Um, Never in 25 years have I had as many conversations going into an election with as many different stakeholders as I have this year. 
Uh, and, you know, the primary was, was different because we were making sure that we were providing PPE and hygiene supplies and sanitation for the ward workers and the poll workers. But that's not the tone of the conversation for the last couple of weeks. So, so listen, vote your conscience. Go out. Vote. Exercise your constitutional right. Exercise your civic responsibility. But be polite. Be respectful. And allow everybody else to have their opinion, too. So we don't have to do the type of stuff we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. Um, more than the last couple of weeks. But, but please, just tensions are high. People are emotional. I get it. I am, too. Uh, but it shouldn't be a police matter. Right? It's, it's, it's not a matter for uh, law enforcement authorities. Let the local election officials run the election and do what they do. And speak your voice and then go home. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, so, and you guys can help me out on this because you both went to different style academies. Um, it, despite what most people think, um, 25 years ago, right? Like I said, this week I participated in what I guess would be the first formal training I've ever received in crowd control. And I, I think that, uh, you know, listeners and viewers at home may be surprised by that. I think the perception is, you know, if you've seen the police academy movies, that you're in the police academy and they issue that, that full kit and something goes off and they come over the loudspeaker and you grab your gear and you go get information, right? And that's true for some police departments, large city police departments, absolutely, uh, university police departments, places that deal a lot with, like, large-scale sporting events, they do that. But it's not true across the board. Um and up until this week, the only training I had participated in that was some informal stuff we did with the team, right? Occasionally, we would cross-train with either the state police or the National Guard, and uh, we would run some formations and stuff. But it wasn't until earlier this week that I actually had to participate in a class. Um, and to be completely honest, the reason I felt that I had to participate in the class was the, the current climate. Right. I didn't think that I could, you know, finish this week and not have some formal understanding of, of crowd dynamics under my belt. Uh, how about you guys? Did you get any training on that in the academy? I didn't. No. And you went you went to State Police. State Police, SPMA, yeah. right? Yeah. And and they train that religiously. Yeah. So um, yes. the fact that if you went to their academy because you went to the academy for the municipal curriculum that they didn't include it is actually kind of surprising to me. Gary? Never in the academy, no formal training, although we did have some informal training. Uh, a group of us went up to UMass, um, and, and, and we more or less observed a training that uh, UMass police was doing. Um, they have a, a group, and I think all of their officers are, I'm, I'm sure, to a certain you, you extent, UMass Amherst, actually the whole UMass system, but UMass Amherst is kind of like the, the leader in that. Yeah. They are probably the most highly trained, proficient crowd control unit in the Commonwealth. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we went up, you know, more or less to observe. We got some, some, some pointers, but no, as far as a formal class, no. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm not going to get into any operational details, but for most of my career in the command, we always regarded that as um, as a function that we would 
call for assistance with. We, right. you know, we would make a call to UMass, we'd make a call to the state police, we'd make a call to the National Guard, and they would come take care of that, and we would keep our normal operational pace. And to be completely honest, um, earlier this year in some conversations with some local county chiefs, decided that, um, you know, we, we can't, we can't rely on that that plan anymore. We have to actually formalize a a, a quicker, more local plan. So we're working on uh, standing up a local unit. Uh, so more to come on that. Times times are changing. It's different. It's odd. I, I find that um, different. I mean, I find that kind of uh, uh, interesting that UMass being one of the main. Uh, law enforcement agencies within the commonwealth that's, yeah. that's pretty proficient so in, in addition to this obviously the state police right the state police runs what are, are currently known as the pop platoons the public order platoons um field force operations but it, so you know that officer gainer uh was previously employed by umass so she and i have talked about this quite a bit and um i you know used to cross train a lot with their training unit under uh, previous lieutenant chip thrasher and the reason is that they always have um such unpredictable responses to large-scale sporting events either wins or losses yeah so you know the red sox win the campus goes crazy the red sox lose the campus goes crazy you think so, that's because it's it's has such a population there? yeah it's I mean, a, so densely populated yeah. and you know a lot of energy a lot of energy <laughs> add a little adult beverages to that and uh so they have to have that capability and the other element of it was um the concerts, right? Large-scale concert venue. So they're always bringing people in from outside of the campus. And then you got the, you know, traditionally the stuff that happens uh, off-campus in the off-campus housing, like the Hobart Hoedown. And uh, they're just tons. So that was one of the things that came out of uh, the training that I participated in this week. And we've seen it, um, but never, never to the scale like they were showing us some visit videos. We always think like it's you know the state police rolling into the RNC, right? It's it's the large scale pre planned special event, yep. or it's just something that happens out on Boylston Street after you know Red Sox or Patriots parade. But a lot of the times when you see these, they they're spontaneous events that start small. It's the house party that spills into the street. Right. And so those are the ones that they were cautioning us about. And our, our instructor for this was retired MSP. Um, and I had never thought about it this way following a natural disaster. So the state police deployed to Puerto Rico following a hurricane hmm. and they had to dispel crowds that were showing up at food distribution sites. Right, mm -hmm. so they they set up a point of distribution, and now the crowd finds out that the point of distribution that is there, and they're rushing the point of distribution to disrupt operations just because they're emotional, and so the state police state police had to use public order tactics and and um, training to secure the perimeter of the distribution site until they could establish some order in how to get people in and out. So um, you know, it's it's if you if you haven't had the training. You can't anticipate the type of things that might lead to this. Um, and then in having sat through the training, and it, you know, it was only half a day, but it was, um, it was virtual, so that was odd, too. Uh, they did a nice job changing the platform. It, and we see, you know, similar to that, we see that on, uh, I, I've seen it on patrol, I'm sure that you guys have, um, where we've had an incident on the street, and all of a sudden you got 15, 20 cars that show up, and there's double that at least in every car and yeah. um, you know all units on hand and and you know knock on wood you know we haven't had anything serious right. 
Um, but knock it, on, it knock do, on yeah, now. But, but it but it does take a while to get that yeah. all under control and figure things out because it just becomes chaotic. I so when I was sitting in the training watching one of the videos, it kind of triggered a flashback for me, and I was thinking about a night. Uh, Lieutenant Bradford and I talk about this. Um, it, so, Lieutenant Traversa, you've done a lot in the last couple of years to correct this, but Lieutenant Bradford and I were patrol officers, and we were just finishing a, uh, a check of the park in the parking lot at Burbank Park. So we were down by the boat ramp. We're down in the bowl. And all of a sudden, we heard a radio transmission, uh, and the officer on the other end of the radio was previous officer Jerry Miller, and he was calling out an officer needs assistance, and nobody was acknowledging the radio call. And in hindsight, what we found out was because of where he was on Wakona Street and the situation, he was out of his car and on his portable and just freak atmospheric conditions, dispatch didn't receive it, but we were getting a bounce back and we were receiving it at the, ra- at the lake. So we had to hit our lights and sirens and come up to the top of the hill and radio on the cruiser radio. <laughs> To tell everybody else so that could, we were you going. Could, you could hear him. We could just, hear him. But you couldn't transmit yeah, out. Yeah, and nobody else could hear him. <laughs> and and so by the time we got, so it was a bar fight at Pepe's that had spilled out into the street. And by the time we made it from Lakeway Drive at Valentine to Wakona Street, we couldn't drive on Wakona Street. There's hundreds of people spilling out into the roadway, right? So... Yeah, I knew this was going to either Pepe's or Tatey's, yeah, one of the two. Yeah, <laughs> it was, uh, and it was, and to tell you the truth, I mean, because we were on the midnight shift, um, if it hadn't been for the fact that it had gone out as a fight with some injuries, and the ambulance and the fire trucks had had rolling in as well, and there was some off-duty firefighters who were there, um, if we hadn't had all of those additional personnel, we probably couldn't have moved that crowd. Mm. So. Mm. Yeah, good times. Yeah, craziness. Right? Well, I'm sure there's a lot of people that can't wait for Wednesday to come. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> and again, we're not going to get come in. and go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's look. Depending on what happens, Wednesday may be just the beginning, right? Yes, yeah. you're absolutely right. So, so we shall see. Um, my hope is that regardless, people. Just remember that we are uh, we are more similar than we are dissimilar. We have more in common than we do apart, and uh, we need to we need to unify and pull through this. We've got other stuff going on. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. We we can't afford to be this divided. Speaking of that, I see that uh, just through the emails and stuff, it's we're starting to see that slow uptick, and I know it's out towards Boston. There's yeah. So red spots. So. so we had a supervisory roundtable uh, session, training meeting slash training yesterday, and this came up. And Lieutenant and I are going to have to. I have a, I have a management team conference call when we get off the air today. I'll probably do it right here again. Um, Lieutenant and I are going to have to follow up with public health and and have some discussions about additional force protection measures for us. Uh, and I, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to put out bad information, but based on the emails I've been receiving, um, you know, we had we had that big, and I think it was big, uptick in cases reported last week, early this week, uh, that the mayor spoke about. Um, the original concern was that that was community spread. Still some concern that there there may be some community spread, but they, they also think through contact tracing that they've kind of identified a potential source there. Um, and so... 
rate of transmission up, number of cases up, but compared to the spring, number of hospitalizations steady. So that's that's a good indicator. So, yeah, that's the telltale sign. Yeah. Good. And so, um, you know, you, hopefully they got whatever that, hopefully the community the contact tracing has identified everybody and stopped that and and that's what it is and we can kind of breathe and pause uh, and continue with the next steps in the reopening but um we shall see so yeah it's uh every day it's almost you don't know what you're gonna get no absolutely you know so this, you know, in the ten minutes that we've got left on this half of the program, this is probably um, this came up during the supervisory roundtable yesterday, and there's going to be more development on this. We can start talking about it a little bit in this format because it's very much a work in progress. Um, but we learned a lot of lessons in the spring about um, call handling, right? The the need. In order to do force protection for our personnel, they need to handle some calls differently than we would do historically or traditionally. And the reality is that some of those lessons learned are, are things that we're not going to step back from. Even, even when we get a vaccine and we get good treatments, uh, it's just more efficient to continue to do some of these things going forward. Um, like so many you know, businesses and industries, yeah, the, the, right. the, the pandemic has caused an adjustment that is probably um better being uh permanent so it's it's odd because um you, you guys both know probably to your you know bitter frustration that i'm a proponent of um improved technology and changing the way we work through technology and adapting different systems and we're fairly early adopters of a lot of things and so two of my my pet peeves that I kind of have forced onto some of our personnel are paper reduction, right? Get away from hard copies if we don't have to, and uh, using technology to to leverage our resources better. And so um, we get ready to go into the supervisory roundtable, and I said to uh, Ms. Gregory Bellata, I'm not, I'm just going to upload the files, the agenda and the articles and the files for this meeting into the appointment. And they can either read them on their screen or if they choose to, they can print a single copy for themselves. But we're not producing any hard copies. Uh, and that is that is a change in a habit that I'm going to carry going forward. If I don't have to print it, I'm not handing anybody paper. Uh, I, went, I traveled to do a, a training last month. And for the first time, in, and I've been working with this organization for 15 years, and for the first time in 15 years, they didn't give the students a binder. Everything was uploaded to a Kindle, and everything was digital. Um, so that one. And then the other one is the use of online reporting. Um, you know, if, if we can get a report, an accurate report from a reporting party without having to dispatch personnel, and we can still do the investigation, we need to do that. So increased use of online reporting and paper reduction are uh, you know, things that we will continue to march forward with. And there's a bunch of other stuff. Here, so. See, here's the issue that I have with our, our tendency to go towards electronics. I, my mentality is if it's not in front of me, 
sometimes I forget about it. Yeah. And it, it, and I'm not just talking about work. I'm talking about anything. You know, you know, you, you get mail, you get bills, you get correspondence. Um, you know, from from my kids' schools. I just don't. I I don't trust technology 100. percent And I don't think you can. But we are in a, a transitional generation. Yeah. You know, it's um, it's challenging. But, but that cuts both ways, right? So I, I had some time last week that, that I didn't have any appointments on the calendar, and I just got I reached a point where I was like, I have to do something. And so I was, you know, cleaning up clutter in my office. And if you've been in my office, you know, it tends to generate a lot of clutter. And one of the reasons is an abundance of paper, right? So I'm going through this one pile of paper, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So it was last year's supervisory roundtables. So there's 12 meetings. And for each of those meetings, there's six to eight people. And so we make enough copies for whoever many are supposed to be there. Without fail, every month, one or two don't show up. So there's always one or two extra copies. They go into an accordion folder. The next month, we do the same thing. They go into an accordion folder. There's a copy of the overtime slip. There's a copy of each of the handouts. So I had 12 accordion folders that were an inch and a half to two inches thick of last year's meetings. Right, because I come back from the meeting and they go on the pile of the spare. Yeah, and I, they come back from the next meeting and it goes on the pile, right? <laughs> and so you know, it's it's right there in front of me, but it's at the bottom of the pile. So, yeah. well, I know you've been, you know, you, you know, you talked about transitioning and one of your pet peeves, but um, the training requests, uh, I know those have started. Those went paperless probably what two years ago now, uh, pretty close, eighteen months ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is kind of a when. For us, having to switch from Internet Explorer to, yeah. uh, it's a pain in the butt. But, you know, I do find it easier because now I can put it on my desktop. Right. And I know, okay, hey, here's the training request I have. So I, it, to go paperless, it's, it's nice. It just takes a little... There's, so, a, there's a big learning curve on that one. <laughs> but, so, so here's, I mean, when you it, send a training request three times and it gets kicked back. <laughs> so, but here's, here's the thing, right? And, like... When we, when we have time, we always try to give the why and explain. And sometimes we just don't have time. They're like, hey, this is happening, and this is, what's, this is, gonna, this is what you're going to do. So we, we drove the training requests virtual or paperless because we were getting ready to do the annual report. So it would have been the 2019 annual report. They, this was the 18-month annual report. And we know that everybody completed their required in-service training during the year, but the question I had asked the training unit was, how many specialized or advanced trainings did we send people to in this year? And we couldn't answer the question because the only place that we captured that was in a binder in Sheila's office. Now, for our listeners and viewers at home, Sheila is our, is our administrative office assistant. She is like the receptacle of all things that get purchased and paid. Everything routes through her office. And so it was just fortuitous that she had happened to keep that year's binder because once we closed the year out, she didn't need that data, but it, it hadn't been uh, archived yet. And so we had to go in and we had to hand count all of the paper training requests in order to figure out how much training we had sent our people to. And when I realized that we couldn't capture that data set, it's like, that's, that's not okay. So we had to figure out a way that all of those requests would be caught at a point in time where they could be recorded. So the back end of it, lieutenant's aware, you know, as an officer, you don't have to know that when, when those training requests hit my office now, before they get approved and sent back to you, they get listed in a spreadsheet 
so we can go in at any given time mm. and figure out how many requests we approved and how many were rejected gotcha. and, and yeah. where uh, people are going. The other part of it that we started at the beginning and it, it, it caused more heartache and so we backed off of it, but we, I would actually like to be able to get it, is we would like to be able to capture when people complete the training, if they get the certificate and it lists the number of days or numbers of hours, We'd like to add that to the spreadsheet so we can then show exactly how many hours of training our people participated in. You would, you would think that that would be... Cause no, but it's, not all certificates have Yeah, it's not on all certificates. Yeah. Um, and not, not all trainings award certificates, so uh, that's harder to capture. But we built it out so that we could do that. All right, we're coming up on a half past, so let's do a, another station identification, check the weather and some PSAs, and then we'll come back and press on. PSAs, not by me. Definitely buy you. <laughs> we need to record some new PSAs. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area. Winter weather advisory in effect until noon EDT today. Today, mostly cloudy. Rain or snow likely, mainly this morning. Snow accumulation around 10 inch. Highs in the upper 30s. North wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation 70%. Tonight, mostly clear. Colder with lows around 17. Northwest wind around 5 miles per hour. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Folks, unfortunately, drug use is a driving factor for a lot of crime taking place in our city. The most prevalent crime being theft. Please, take the extra time to ensure that your belongings are safe inside your vehicle. Do not leave anything of value in plain sight. Hide your belongings. Place them in your trunk or take anything of value out of the vehicle. Always keep your vehicle locked. Don't make it easy for them. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal Credit Union, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair, one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people they support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. PCTV and WTBR are committed to serving our community in this difficult time. We will bring you live coverage of press conferences and official statements from our government officials on PCTV CityLink Channel 1303, on the Pittsfield Community Television Facebook page, and on WTBR as they happen and as we are able to do so. Please stay tuned to our channels and our social media for updates on press conferences and other important information pertaining to the ongoing pandemic. We're back. You got some homework you got to do, Lieutenant? I do. All right. Let's take care of that. Um, my mic on? It is. It All is. Right. We can hear you. Okay. Um, I'm just going to read this for the station. Uh, 89.7 WTBR-FM is proud to announce our second annual one-day on-air fundraiser. The event will take place on Thursday, November 19th from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., uh, don't miss our guests, including local dignitaries and your friends and neighbors from the community. There will also 
be plenty of incentives you can win, including restaurant gift certificates, tickets to local cultural attractions, and more. And for each donation of $25 or more, you will be in the running to win an automatic car starter from Anthony's Auto Electronics on East Street in Pittsfield, or a Thanksgiving feast from KJ Nosh Catering on Tyler Street in Pittsfield. You can make your donation right now at WTBRFM.com. Don't miss the annual, the, the second annual one day on air fundraiser live from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Thursday, November 19th, only on 89.7 WTBR FM and all day live on the WTBR Facebook page. Thank you for supporting your community radio station. Well done, Lieutenant. Thank listen, you. listen, this is a complete digression, and we don't, um, we don't do like ad reads on this show <laughs> we don't do endorsements but i have to add you guys listen to look i know you do right you listen to local radio show yeah. local ra- morning radio yeah have you heard the current anthony's auto electronics no. radio spot no where the pumpkin spice car started oh no <laughs> i haven't heard that the, I, pump, the 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 ad read for the pumpkin spice car starter and the orange tooth connection is by far the funniest but most ridiculous like I'll spot currently you. yeah it, text marjo and tell her you just want to hear it um speaking of that um just a shout out to um brian slater uh the morning co-host yeah. um him his family and his wife uh, just keep them in your thoughts um, Absolutely. as she's uh battling this uh terrible terrible disease we love you georgia yes we do I'm not gonna reveal. So we we have a staff member who is close close friends with the, the mm-hmm. family, and uh, it, the, the there's a there's a lot of emotion in yes. the community around yes. that right yes, now. Yes, there so is. So yes, just keep them in your thoughts and prayers. Um, I, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> so Darren, um. School's back in session for yep. how, whatever that means for two hours a day. Yeah, well, you know, we had to, we had to make some adjustments to the school resource <laughs> two officer hours and program. Twenty minutes. <laughs> um, but you, you kind of in, in your role as both the community engagement and as a safety officer, you kind of got a finger on the pulse of of the the youth community. You know, you, I know you're out there always keeping track of your kids down in the neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. How 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 are the kids doing with the return to school? Uh, they love it. Uh, 99% of them anyways, you know, that, that 1% never really, they never want to, you know, they're always pushing against it as I did as a kid. So I can relate, but, um, majority of them, I think because of the amount of time that they spent away from their close friends and whatnot, um, it, it definitely was a huge impact on their social life. Um, but at the same time, I want to say it was kind of re- a reprieve from, um, bullying calls, um, you know, and fights in schools and because they didn't have that face-to-face interaction, although social media was there, um, it, it was um, seldom that you would actually get a, a, a physical altercation as a result of that because they're not, they were kind of distant. They're kept apart. So now it's, um, we're seeing a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm getting calls from parents, hey, you know, this is what this child is doing to my child. And um, so we're trying to nip some of those in the butt quick, but um for the most part, you know, they're, they're enjoying it. They like it. Um, so like the elementary school level, uh, I was at the Dower Square bus stop this morning. They'll go in for, 
you know, they, I think they hopped on the bus around 20 after 8, but they're back at 10.30, I think it is. Um, and then they get a two-hour break, but then they're back online right. uh, for virtual learning. So, um, you know, the kids, I don't think they're really into that. It, it, like, what kid is? But, it, you know, you think about it. You think about how much screen time that, they, that they've had under their belt already. Right. You would think that w- it would be easy, but it's not. No. Um, because of learning, the frustration, um, you know, and, and they haven't really put the fun in education. Yeah. Um, you know, they haven't really learned that it can be fun. It's more of like, uh, okay, this it's is a requirement. Of, yeah, this, this stinks, <clears throat> which is probably why, you know, you, you talk about requirement that um, uh, going back to school, I'm actually enjoying it. And I'm glad uh, to hear that. Uh, uh, my current GPA is uh, three six nine, I think, and I got upset because I ended up with an A minus in one of my classes, and you know my stupidity, I forgot a test, but you know, so little humble brag there. Yeah, good for yeah. you. Yeah, for considering you. I, I was the student who got the D's and the F's. So yeah, but I, I think it's because I've I, I'm interested in it now, and you know I when we went abroad to Austria, and they only have so many grades. Um, you're in elementary school I think it's no I can't remember I think it's four years four years and then you're in like a high school for like one year or something similar to that and when you get out you go to work like the kids don't go to college right after right after school and they graduate at 15 or 16 years old and then so they go to work and then they decide on what field they want to go into and then that's where they go to get their specialized education so I find that I found that very interesting. That, that's a fairly um, fairly common international model. Was that a torch front trip? Yeah, yeah, yeah to yeah. Austria. Yeah, um, <clears throat> you know it's so. I I took well, it wasn't traditional. I took the more traditional route. Like I, I started my college career right out of high school. Actually, you know, I just, I reported to plebe summer one month after I graduated. So that wasn't exactly the, the full college experience, but I did. Well, I only did three semesters at the boat school, and then I had basically a year off before I went back to Williams. And so I was working during that year, and I count that year as probably the most valuable part of my educational experience. Like, if I hadn't had that gap year, or most of a year, and been in a work environment, doing customer service, answering to a... a, a, And I had worked through high school, right, so I had that experience, but... I wouldn't have applied myself as much as I did when I went back to school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of it was was part of it was just an ego thing and an arrogance thing. I was like, I you know, I don't want to spend the rest of my life doing that kind of work. I, I need to go do something else. So that was part of it. But part of it was just an appreciation that you know I was blessed. It, mm. it, you know, to to be able to continue my education and get a higher education is not a privilege that is afforded to everybody. You can't take it for granted. Um, and I, you know, I know a lot of people in higher ed who believe that sending students straight to college out of high school is both ineffective and inefficient. Um, I know it's the model that you know we we're, we function under here, but there's something to be said about getting some real world experience Absolutely. before you go back into academia. Absolutely, you it's, know, in you know, you could probably there's probably some sort of statistic out there that shows that um, you know whether students do or do not change their major halfway through because oh. they, hey, you know what, I don't like this. I'm going to. 
well, what you just wasted sixty thousand dollars. So a couple of things, right? So my 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 wife is in higher ed, and I previously served on the board of trustees at Berkshire Community College, so I had some experience with this. The first thing is that most students in four-year schools change their major. It's very rare for a student to go into a four-year program knowing what they want to do and get out, unless you're in, you're kind of like in a trade school, right? You're 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 going for you know engineering or something like that. Uh, but the other thing is. The majority of students who enroll in a four-year school do not complete in four years. Mm. You, you budget for four years of school, and most take five or six years to complete a four-year degree. That's interesting. So, um, you know, it's, it's, not a, it's not a significant majority, but it's a majority. So, um, it's, you know, it's one of the reasons when I, I talk to students here, I'm like, look, if you're not 100% sure, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do this, I'm going to do pre-med, I'm going to go to med school, I'm going to be a doctor. If you, if you don't know with 100% certainty, um, explore spending two years at a community college. Because if you spend two years at a community college and then transfer to a four-year school, you still get the same d- diploma when you walk across and, and, the stage you know, of graduation. And I've always said this. Either way, you, you have to do your prerequisites. Either way, yeah, you got to do right. your math. Your Why? You know, yeah. because they want they that want college the college experience. experience. They want the college yeah. experience. So it's, yeah, yeah. But so. you know, I, I um, I, I think that's important. You know, like a lot of kids. You know, but I think you're you're seeing a lot of that now. I am. Um, a lot of kids that graduate, they just they go to BCC. Yeah. Or they, hey, I'm going to take a year or two off and figure out what I want to do. So, so I, um, I used to be on the uh, steering committee, the organizing committee, for the youth leadership program through One Berkshire. And uh, it's through that program, not only did I do some instructional time with them, but I also was one of the chaperones or proctor for the, the, the kickoff retreat, which is usually held in the end of summer at either MCLA or Williams. And so we'd be up on campus in one of the dorms and have a facilitator and do some team building work and cohesive stuff. But we always had a panel on the, um, on the first, the afternoon of the first full day. And so the members of the steering committee, and there's usually about a half dozen of us, and it changed from year to year, we would do like a panel discussion for the students about our educational experience and our career track. And I I did that retreat for probably six years, five or six years, and over the course of the five or six years, I probably had a dozen other people. You know, some sometimes it was the same people with me year after year, but there was always a, a change. So it was probably about a d- total of a dozen people, all local professionals, all you know, either in higher ed or healthcare or government service. Not one of them was doing professionally what they went to school to yeah. do. Not a, my degree is in English literature and American studies. Right? <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, there's so many paths. Yeah. And there's so many different ways to do it. And I think you make a good point. Um, and it has become um, more common that students, you know, do two years at a community college. Um, and, and it really, it, it just makes sense educationally and it makes financial sense. Um, you know, so, so speaking of that, what are you, are you going to kind of guide your, your children into, how old are your kids now? 20. Go tell you. Oh my school, gosh. Right? 16. 16. Yeah. So did you, you know, were you encouraging them to, to kind of take that path? So, or? so the, the, the discussions we had with my daughter, um, were, or such that if you, if if you, depending on what type of, of track you want to go into, what kind of degree you want, 
there, there are certain degrees that it doesn't matter where you get the degree. It, it, you know, going to a, you know, prominent school or, or, or whatever, that's not necessarily going to translate big time in the working world. You know, I understand <clears throat> to a certain respect there are, um, you know, networking strengths with, with certain schools and, but by and large, the degree is the degree. So we, we told her, listen, if, if you have a something specific in mind, it's specialized, like you mentioned, Chief, you know, we'll get that done. And, um, you know, that, so that's what she's in. She's in a, in a particular degree program at a private college. And, you know, knock on wood, she's, she's chugging through. Yeah, you know, she's a junior, which actually technically, a, a, you know, credit-wise, a senior. Um, but it's a, it's a rigorous program. And, you know, we're starting to have the conversations with my son because it's the same thing. If, you know, depending on what you want to do, you know, it doesn't make financial sense for us or him because he's, you know, I... I strongly believe that the students you know kids have to have some skin in the game here i'm wondering if you're going to see because of the with the pandemic and a lot of it being virtual i wonder if you're going to see a a change in direction when it comes to that because i mean that's every school almost every school has some type of virtual now so so I'll, I'll I'll talk. We're, we're way off topic of course, for the yeah, cop we show, but yeah, yeah we're gonna, right, we no. can pull this back. Um, <laughs> so before I, I responded, I just have to tell you. So uh, I've talked about this for the last couple of programs. Um, so my my bride ran a virtual marathon yesterday. She's home. She's listening. She doesn't always get to listen. Of course, since she's listening, she's texting me. Right, this is her new thing. Oh. Texting me during the program. Uh, oh. um, she's very excited that we're talking about her of employer. Of course, because you know, you're currently enrolled out there at thirteen fifteen <laughs> West. Um, so this came up during the pandemic, um, early in the pandemic, through the alumni network at Williams, right? So, in, in, look, I, I'm I'm a proud Williams alum. I, you know, Christina says I bleed purple, but the reality is, prior to this year, Williams had repeatedly stated a position that you could not obtain a Williams education without being on campus in the campus residential environment. And then the pandemic hit, and they sent everybody home, and they kept educating them. And then they came back for the fall semester and they're going home for Thanksgiving and they're not coming back, right? They're going to finish the semester virtually again. So you, you can't put that genie back in the bottle, right? Nope. You can't take that position back. They've just disproven that. You can't get that education. And the questions were coming up from some newly admitted first years who hadn't reported yet. Why should we pay you? Yeah. Because Williams is big dollars, right? Why should we pay you what you're asking us for if we're not going to be there? And they haven't answered that question yet, mm. right? The, because to your point, Lieutenant, a lot of what you pay for when you go there is access to the network, mm-hmm. right? If you're going to, it doesn't matter. If you I have a, I'm, I'm in a social media group with some Williams alums who were non-traditional. They, you know, they, they didn't go there for investment banking, pre-med, law. And, uh, you know, they, they're just like every other person out there, right? They're having a rough time this year and they're, they're looking for work and they're like, you know, what did that degree get me? That's an important question. Um, you know, I, I've been very fortunate that I have been able to leverage that network for some cool opportunities, but it certainly didn't. It didn't change anything in my law enforcement career, really. Right? You know, we probably shouldn't sh- share this, but it, when you're in the academy, 
you know, one of my academy classmates who is a great guy, but he used to repeat every day, 70s, 100, right? The, when you graduated from the police academy, if you averaged a 70 on your test, you got the same badge and the same certificate as the guy who was studying his bottom off, right? It didn't matter. You were walking across the stage with the same credential. It's a bad attitude, but it's true, right? right. Um, so let's, let's pull this back to us, right? Because I, I think there is a, a nugget in here that I want to hit on. And that's and you guys have, have seen the evolution of this. Um, prior to us starting our career, I think there, there was this mentality that, and it was, it was one of the mentalities that came about from police reform in the 70s, was that, if you were going to go to college and then you were going to be a cop, you had to study criminal justice. And we have many officers uh, who have studied criminal justice. My master's is in criminal justice. In hindsight, I wish it wasn't. Um, you know, a criminal justice master's prepared me more to be a police executive than it did to be a police officer. There was very little I studied in the master's program that had any applicability to my job as an officer or as a sergeant. It wasn't until I was a lieutenant doing case briefings and stuff like that that any of that stuff came up. Um, so when we redid the contract a couple of years and we were looking at our education incentive, the, the management team looking at it, they're like, yeah, it's criminal justice. I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. I want critical thinkers. The criminal justice program doesn't give me good cops. And so we expanded what we would, we would look at. And the things that I was insistent on were psychology and sociology, social work, right? I wanted people who had strong background in that. Um, and then we looked at some pre-law, right? Obviously, people who have a firm foundation in, in law and constitutional law. And then we looked at some really unusual things. They didn't all make the cut, but we put in that, that caveat that I can, I can appeal to the mayor and the personnel director, the human resources director, because we put value in it. Um, you know, one of, the, so one of the most unusual degree bearers in our, in our department, and I use this as an example, his degree is in engineering civil engineering and uh and people are like well okay so but he's a he's an accident reconstructionist he's a traffic specialist right it's ideal his his entire mindset goes towards that it's much easier to take an engineer and teach him to be an accident reconstructionist than to take a cop and teach him math right so 100 <laughs> percent. yeah so you know diversity in in academic experience and diversity in ability to think critically is a value added for our agency, right? We're not all thinking in lockstep. We don't all have the same background and education. And some people are like, well, you know, why wouldn't you insist on criminal justice? We have, we're, we're saturated with criminal justice, right? I want people who have different mindsets and skill sets. So, yep, I like that point. All right, so we how did we oh we got there because of the virtual education yeah, stuff. Yeah, talking we were about, talking about, talking about, about the schools. schools. The <laughs> Well, hopefully, um, you know, we can keep the schools open. Um, you know, I just, you, again, you're watching from east out this way, yeah. and it's just slowly, you know. But. So, so we're, we're coming out of time. We're running out of time here, but I don't, we can't let the program go. So today, right, today, today's Friday. Mm -hmm. Superintendent uh, McCandless, if you're listening, bon voyage. We're uh, sorry. This is it. We're happy for you, but we're sorry. Good luck Monday up there in... North County, mm. your your district, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, yeah. it's yeah. yeah, yeah. It's um, you know, Pittsfield's loss, I guess, yeah. is 
Jake has been Jake has been a gain. valued member of our management team, and he has been. Um, He's made some extremely tough decisions, mm-hmm. um, and you know what I liked about his leadership and whatnot was he stuck by him. He just he yeah. made it and stuck by it yeah. and didn't and uh, made no yeah. qualms about it. So he has been a trusted colleague and uh, a trusted mentor and a friend. And uh, I, you know, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for his family. I'm sorry to see him go. Um, he's got a strong team in place. I'm looking forward to working with Joe. Uh, so congratulations, Superintendent Curtis. And uh, you know that. We're still talking about school and and school age children and tomorrow's Halloween. Yeah, we already talked last week with Dr. Kohlberg. Listen, you do you, right? You know your family situation. You know the situation in your neighborhood. You know your friends and neighbors. You do you, but whatever you do, do it safely. If you choose not to trick or treat, cool. You know, I've I've seen some stuff where people are doing candy haunts and some uh, stuff. You know. In, in their yard or in the park just as a family. I think that has a lot of value and makes a lot of sense. And uh, Operation Cop School will not be out. Operation Cop School is not Un- out. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm, sure our, I'm sure our patrol officers who are working tomorrow evening will, will do some creative stuff. Mm. Um, but if you do decide to trick-or-treat, keep the group small, keep your distance, make sure face covering or mask is incorporated in your costume uh, and then as a police chief and police officer I would be remiss if I because the health stuff the COVID stuff is top of mind but hey it's still fall it's still Halloween it's going to be getting dark earlier Oof. make sure you've got reflective material on carry a flashlight stay out of the road cross safely watch for traffic look both ways be safe have some sort of reflective yeah, I mean, you know something. Please, Doesn't matter what it is. Please, please, please. You know, for the drivers out there, you know, 10, 15 miles an hour through, you know, the thickly settled. I mean, please, even that's a little much. But please just, slow down. Just pay attention. Take time. Check out the costumes. Slow. Pull over. This is, I was driving last night. This is the time of year that when you know the combination of darkness mm. and wet, wet, and something about the shadows yeah you just it's very difficult to see people um whether they're walking or on a bicycle if they don't have something reflective uh something bright uh you know there was a a couple instances last night where you know bicyclists for for instance was you know we're, we're coming on a convergence here and you know it's you really got to watch as a as a driver you really need to an extra eye out and as a pedestrian or bicyclist make sure you're wearing something that that makes you visible uh i think it's i i think it's channel 13 w uh wnyt and i don't know if it's a new york department of transportation ad or a nitsa ad but they've got that um public service announcement that they show you know several times a week where it says how many people do you see so it looks like somebody walking a dog, and as they have the camera angle from the driver's perspective, it ends up being four people, but only the person on, I think it's the person farthest from the road is wearing something reflective and walking the dog. The other three people are in the blind spot between that person and the roadside, and you can't see them uh, until you're practically up on them. It's a it's an interesting perspective, but hmm. yeah, be safe, slow down. All right, so. Uh, traffic oh. patterns? Tra- oh my God. <laughs> 
<laughs> Listen, I, I got I got no no opinion, no comment. Um, you have but, an opinion. Come but, on. But um, the stop sign at Allen in school, um, maybe we need a flashing one because it's just it's one of those when it's new. But although it's directly in front of your face, you can't miss it. People are just used to it. So. Our own people aren't stopping for no, it. You are right. We need to pay attention. You are to right. That. It's just so odd. I am one of them. Traffic. Yep. Seeing it, all the cars pointed in the, the other, other direction. Oh my gosh! Um, or if you yeah. have to go to the station real quick because you have to take care of something, yeah. in an emergency, <laughs> you go, and you have to and go around like, the block. Oh man, <laughs> you're on the wrong side of it. So I, I'll tell you that the first. So last week I was uh, doing my virtual training. I was at IACP, so I didn't drive to the station during the two days that they did the traffic pattern. I didn't go in on the weekend, so Monday was the first time I went. And because of where I live and I'm coming, I I was. I, at Park Square, I could see the new one-way sign. So, okay, I, I pulled right in. No no foul. Tuesday, same thing. Wednesday morning, I had a haircut scheduled. And so I wasn't coming from the same direction. Yeah. I had come up from Fence Street and come in the other way and was getting ready to pull into my parking spot when I realized I couldn't, I, I had to circle the block and come back in. Um, so, yeah, that's going to take some getting used to. Uh, interesting, you know, we, the snow's not sticking, but... I'm curious to see how they're going to clear the intersection down at North and Wakona with all mm. of that stuff in the roadway. Mm. Um, our, our existing plows are not going to be able to manage that. You know, the, um, the other thing, you know, a couple of us patrolmen brought up was, you know, where they've changed that to one lane with the bike lane on the inside uh, come wintertime. You know, where's all the snow going? We were, we were talking about it. They're going to have to bring in dump trucks and loaders because they're, they're not going to be able to plow. Because during the daytime, you can park there, right? right? If, if it's not, if parking isn't banned at night because of snow emergency, you can park there during the day because the businesses right. are open. But when they're plowing the snow, where is it going to? Because now you're going to have that piled up where the bike lane is because yeah. they haven't been able to plow it all day. They're going to have to carry it out. Uh, um, who's going to be dry, riding their bike? I don't know. Get, well, yeah. we've got people who ride bikes all year round. Um, Lieutenant Sholes. So, <laughs> we've got. We've only got a couple minutes left, but on this topic, because I, I actually received the correspondence earlier this week, unofficially, um, just for our viewers and listeners, be aware there are some other structural traffic changes going in in other neighborhoods uh, in the city, and I haven't been provided with a list yet, including um, bump outs on residential roads as a speed calming measure. So if uh, you see our crews out doing traffic changes in your neighborhoods pay attention because they're putting them in uh, apparently as we speak i know a couple of the streets up by <clears throat> pontusic lake have already gotten them and i don't know where else they're going so hmm. all right uh with the minute and a half we have left what's going on culturally for the city's cultural development office do we have any uh, snowman making I don't see any <laughs> snowman making yet. There's a bunch of stuff going on at Ancak Shaker Village. Yep, yep. Um, bunch of stuff going on at the museum. Oh, Trick or Eat starts this tonight. Trick or Eat through downtown. Sunday downtown. Okay. Check out, put your costume on. Go check out the uh, local eateries. Farmer's Market. Get the cultural evening. Oh, BCAC's Elf Warm Clothing Program started oh, too. Okay. Spon sponsor a child and uh, a family. You can reach BCAC, call Melissa at 413-418-3668 and uh, sponsor a family or child. And we are just about out of time, so hit the outro, Lieutenant. Thanks for tuning in. Join us next week for another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7.